from this single, boundless, eternal field of experiencing, field of knowing, the play of opposites arises when thought is believed. Suddenly, there is this idea that the infinite could be finite, creates the play of diversity, of apparent distinction, but only ever in thought, never in truth. And it's beautiful, it's amazing that this is even possible, that the infinite could explore and celebrate itself as apparent distinction, apparent finitude. There seems to be an inherent joy in being able to play with this idea. But because this only ever exists in thought, if we as this field of experiencing believe our ideas about ourselves and what this is more than our non-conceptual felt knowing of what we are, of what this is, then we start to suffer because what we are is infinite and we could never actually be lacking. There is only one, there is only this. And so that suffering is an invitation to remember the truth of what you are. It is the alarm clock in the dream of your expression, the dream of existence. So there's, there's relief in recognizing that what this is, no matter how it appears, is always whole, always complete, intrinsically, inherently. Regardless of what's being believed, we are this field of aliveness, this, this space of radiant being that's aware of the body, that's aware of thought, that's aware of these textures of experience. And what knows the texture of experience is also inherently free, inherently untouched by the notion of needing to seek at all, the notion of forgetting. It is the aliveness itself that is paradoxically coming home to itself. It's just a matter of misperception. We haven't fallen from heaven, been cast out of the kingdom of God and need to do all these things to be granted re-entry. The sense of division is just a after effect of prioritizing thought about experience over the felt sense of experience. You are already whole. You're already complete. There are no parts of you. In truth, there aren't even appearances. There's just the appearance of experiencing. The single continuum, undivided, indivisible, intrinsically whole expression of the potentiality that you are. There's just this luminous, radiant, miracle of experiencing and everything else is an afterthought being someone inside a body listening to a voice that's an afterthought it is an interpretation of experience that interpretation is included in this exploration of what you are as experiencing so there's nothing wrong with it but it doesn't actually 
define what you are. There is just this field of experiencing. There is just oneness, wholeness, the one light that you are, exploring its potentiality for being, for existence. That's where we start. What's primary is this field of experiencing, the essence of this, the thisness of this, the love that you are. That's where we start, always, before the first thought arises and is believed. There's just this sense of being. You're listening to the Non-Duality Podcast. This is Nick Hyam from thewholenessofexperience.com. Joining me for this episode is Badan Harrick, whose website is thisiscelebrating.com. Without a doubt, you are experiencing. And within this space of experiencing, there are experiences. Experiencing is the context, and the various experiences are the content. There may even be a sense of me, someone who is experiencing these experiences. And this sense of me is another experience, another piece of content. What you are is the space of experiencing. And the experiences that arise within you are made of you. They are made of experiencing. They're not apart from you. They're not of some other substance. They don't limit you. You are unlimited. Unlimited experiencing. You are free to experience anything. You can even experience being a person. A sense of identity comes from excessive fixation on an experience. When there is a relaxed focus, identity softens. This relaxation happens naturally. And no amount of hyper-focusing, excessive fixation changes anything. You don't really become what you focus on. You seem to. You focus on this experience we call the body-mind. And you seem to become a body-mind. But you never really become a body-mind. You never really are limited to that experience. It's just an experience. You are always free. As experiencing. You are the process of experiencing. Unlimited. Unbroken. Present. Your presence itself. Presence is synonymous with experiencing. You are not someone who is present. The experience of being someone unfolds within you. Experiencing. Presence. And the experiencing that you are is ceaseless. It's never switched off. It was never switched on. Because it's not the product of anything. It's not the consequence of anything. It's not caused by anything. It's not a function of anything. It's not a function of the body and mind. It's not owned by a person. You've never experienced the end of experiencing. 
you've never experienced the end of experiencing. What is experiencing? We could give it many names, but we need not. We could call it awareness. We could call it consciousness. I've already called it presence. We could call it self. We could call it everything. We could call it nothing. It's simply known as the inexperienced. That experiencing is. Experiencing is. It is here. It is now. It is all inclusive. Embraces every thing. And all things are. Nothing but experiencing. If you inquire deeply into anything, you just find what we call the senses. We all know what the senses are. Although we may believe that the senses are the products of sense organs, and they're not. The senses are simply different words for experiencing. So everything is literally made of the one sense, the one indefinable, infinite sense. It's you, it's home, it's your body, your true body, your true mind. Yeah, the sense of division is an afterthought. And really the sense of division is just a after effect of prioritizing thought about experience over the felt sense of experience. Because there is no actual sense of division in the one sense of your true body you are already whole, you're already complete. There are no parts of you. In truth, there aren't even appearances. There's just the appearance of experiencing the single continuum, undivided, indivisible, intrinsically whole expression of the potentiality that you are. As you were saying, the senses, we don't actually find five senses or, you know, maybe there are more than that. We don't find different senses. If you look closer at the felt sense of experience, the felt sense of you, not as a someone, not as the body, the body is not you, the mind is not you, the field of experiencing is what you are. In looking closer at this field of experiencing, as the field of experiencing, is there actually division between what we would call seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, smelling, thinking. There's just this luminous, radiant, 
miracle of experiencing, and everything else is an afterthought. Being someone inside a body, listening to a voice, that's an afterthought. That is an interpretation of experience. That interpretation is included in this exploration of what you are as experiencing. So there's nothing wrong with it. But it doesn't actually define what you are as the listener of a voice outside of you. There is no outside of you. There is just this field of experiencing. There is just oneness, wholeness, the one light that you are exploring its potentiality for being, for existence. That's where we start. What's primary is this field of experiencing is what you are, the essence of this, the thisness of this, the love that you are. That's where we start, always, before the first thought arises and is believed. There's just this sense of being. And from this single, boundless, eternal field of experiencing, field of knowing, the play of opposites arises when thought is believed. Suddenly, there is this idea that the infinite could be finite, that there could be a me and a you, a this and a that, a here to there, and now, and then, and to future, a good versus bad, a too much or too little, big or small, light and dark, this play of opposites creates the play of diversity, of apparent distinction but only ever in thought, never in truth. And it's beautiful, it's amazing that this is even possible, that the infinite could explore and celebrate itself as apparent distinction, apparent finitude. There seems to be an inherent joy in being able to play with this idea that I'm someone and you're someone else and together we can share this life it's beautiful but because this only ever exists in thought if we as this field of experiencing believe our ideas about ourselves and what this is more than our non-conceptual, felt knowing of what we are, of what this is, then we start to suffer because what we are is infinite and we could never actually be 
lacking. We could never actually be something in contrast to something else. There is only one. There is only this. And so that suffering, that sense of lack, that sense of tension, that existential anxiety, is an invitation to remember the truth of what you are. It is the alarm clock in the dream of your expression, the dream of existence. This tension, this sense of dissatisfaction, is there's something missing here. The appearance of that texture of experience is not actually verifying that there's something wrong with this or with you or that you are lacking in some way or that this needs to be different or that you need something to be better to be okay for your existence to be valid and complete all it's saying other than there's presence is you as infinity you as the boundless indescribable eternal all-pervading ground of being are believing you're not that you're believing that you are a fragment of experience you are an object in this field rather than the field itself. And so if we take the arising of that particular texture of experience, another beautiful opportunity arises. We can look closer at our ideas of what we are and what this is. We can unknow what we've believed for so long to be true, what we've believed has been believing all these beliefs for so long, what this life has been happening to, we can look closer at that. And through peeling back the layers, we find the truth that was never actually tarnished, obscured, confused, or had suffered because of the believing in these ideas. In the absence of what's false, what's true is all that's left. And in recognizing the truth of what we are, we can develop a childlike appreciation for this play of diversity, this idea that there can be separation, that there can be a listener and a listened, a me and a you, a here and a there. We can explore our potential through this idea without believing it. The play can go on without believing the script that seems to accompany it. There's nothing wrong with relativity. 
with this relates to that. With the play of opposites, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a gift, it's a miracle. And the contentness, the peace that we were always looking for in these external, apparently, experiences can be recognized as just inherent qualities of what we are. You are what you're looking for, and you aren't looking as a someone, even if it feels like it, because it's not possible. There is only the field. There is only experiencing. There is only home. And part of home, part of the safety and warmth of home, is the experience of being lost and being homesick being away from home, believing thought. I forget so I can remember, and I remember so I can know deeply that a part of me will never actually forget. Experience is saturated with self-knowledge. Yet, when you experience anything, that thing seems to obscure your true nature and you seem to forget home. So experiencing an experience is forgetting the space of experiencing which is home. When you experience, when you forget, you seem to lose sight of what you truly are, but really you are remembering, you are remembering what you truly are, since experience is saturated with self-knowledge. Like you said, you are always exploring your infinite potential through experiencing. When you experience a chair, you are experiencing a certain shape of yourself. When you experience a body, the same is true, you're experiencing a certain shape of yourself. But no shape changes what you are. Every shape celebrates what you are. Every shape is made of what you are. Every shape carries that one taste of your entirety. You only have to delve into what's present, stay with what's present, look beyond your assumptions, look beyond your interpretations, and you will find that your experiences are made of you, the experiencing truth. Again, we could call this experiencing many things Words are not important. So, in experiencing duality, you seem to forget your non-dual truth. But in experiencing duality, your non-dual truth is presented to you. There's only you. You're showing yourself what you can do with yourself. How you can shape yourself. You're showing yourself how far you can seem to move away from yourself. 
but you never really do. You can't. You can't lose yourself. And you can't really forget yourself. Everything is yourself. Everything is yourself. Every experience is experiencing. And there is no division between the experiencer and the experienced. The experienced is the experiencer. The experienced is made of the experiencer. You. So we could say that there's pure subjectivity without an object. All objects are made of subjectivity. Knowingness. There's only knowingness. Undivided knowingness. Like you said, the truth that you are was never tarnished. Wholeness was never broken, was never divided. It's impossible. Because it was never tarnished, never broken, you don't need to try to find wholeness. You don't need to put wholeness back together. You were never broken. You were never broken. You were never you were never incomplete. The seeking for completeness is what creates the sense of incompleteness. The seeking for wholeness is what creates the sense of brokenness. The thought arises, how do I stop seeking? Well, what are you? When you think or say that, how do I stop seeking? Who are you referring to? Are you referring to an individual? Are you referring to a body-mind, an ego, a person? If you are, then again you're assuming that you are divided. Divided from the whole. And that you need to stop seeking in order to find wholeness, to become whole. And that's more seeking. Seeking the end of seeking. Who is it that seeks? Well, that question is faulty because it assumes there is a seeker. Is there a seeker? Is there someone who w could stop seeking? Seeking is an experience it's the experience of incompleteness, a sense of deficiency. If that experience arises, explore it. Inquire into it. What is it? The question is not how do I stop seeking, but what is seeking? What is that experience? That sense of incompleteness not there yet. What is it? What is it made of? What do you find? What do you really find? Drop your assumptions. Oh, how but how do I stop holding on to my assumptions? Well, you see that they drop. They drop anyway. They drop. Assumptions appear and they disappear like every experience. Just see that every experience is impermanent. You don't need to try to drop anything, let go of anything. You don't need to release anything. 
It's all released. It's all released. There is no trying. There is no effort needed. An experience arises and it dissolves. So whatever it is that appears when there is seeking, that's simply an experience that you are having. And you are the unlimited capacity of knowing and the experience labelled seeking or someone who seeks is made of knowing. So don't seek how to stop seeking. Discern the nature of seeking. What it's made of. Not why it happens or to whom it happens or that's just needlessly complex, convoluted, based on this idea of being someone who is not there yet. What is seeking? What is it really? What is anything? What is the nature of your experience? What's the nature of your experience? Doesn't matter what experience you're having right now. Doesn't matter the shape. Yes, granted, on on a relative level, it really matters, you know? It really matters. Of course. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you experience. What matters is what the experience is made of. Once you recognise what it's made of, you'll stop fixating on the shape and the truth will shine through. There is only that one. There is only this. The truth that was never tarnished. The wholeness that was never broken. The root meaning of whole is undamaged, uninjured. You are undamaged. You are uninjured. The sense of being a person presents itself as a contraction, a somatic sense of heaviness, tightness, tension. And bound up within that somatic appearance are a load of ideas, images, and other experiences. But they're all experiences. It's a sense of injury, of a sense of disconnection, like a primary wound, like a wound, not an actual wound. You are uninjured. You are undamaged. You are whole. You are wholeness itself. Because you are undamaged, because you are uninjured, you don't need to fix yourself. You don't need to change yourself, transform yourself into a better self. Every form of seeking, no matter what you seek, you are really seeking wholeness. You're seeking the end of this sense of injury, this sense of disconnection. But that sense is made of wholeness. Every experience is made of wholeness. Yeah, as, as you were walking through that in- inquiry, this image came to mind. It seems like 
very generally speaking, there are two distinct ways in which we can explore this and unravel, untangle the fixations, beliefs, and limitation and lack that we find ourselves believing. And they both end up meeting each other. The image of a, a sky and a cloud came up. And so when there is seeking, the sky is believing itself to be the cloud that is trying to remember its essence as the sky. Try to discover, have an experience of being the sky, but as a cloud. That's the, that seems to be that initial orientation through seeking. I, this cloud, need to discover myself as the sky, but it's already the sky that is primary. It's already the sky that is what's believing this activity of the cloud that makes it appear as if the sky has lost itself, the sky has forgotten itself. And so as the sky, we can either look closer at the cloud and discover that what the cloud is, is the sky. The cloud is not other than the sky. The cloud is made of the sky. It is the sky that enables the appearance of a cloud to even be there. And we can see that as the sky, this appearance of a cloud is ever-changing and always moving and shifting. And so there's this natural letting go that happens, this natural stopping of a particular shape. Let's call it seeking. The shape of the cloud is changing. And so the change of the texture of experience is happening on its own. So there isn't a need to stop seeking. You just look at what that seeking energy is actually made of. And it's made of you. The other way is to notice that what's believing these ideas about seeking is the sky. What has fixated on the cloud is the sky. And that it is really only the activity of the cloud that makes it seem like seeking is something that needs to happen. But if it's recognized that I'm the sky and I've just been focusing on this cloud, I'm not what's seeking. There's this seeking appearing inside of me. And so actually it's none of my business. There's relief in that as well. There's, there's relief in recognizing that what this is, no matter how it appears, is always whole, always complete, intrinsically, inherently. And what knows the texture of experience is also inherently free, inherently untouched by 
the notion of needing to seek at all, the notion of forgetting. If we look into the cloud, we find the sky. If we turn attention around and look at what's focusing on the cloud, we also find the sky. So you always find the sky, no matter if you look at what this is made of or what's looking. You always come to the same experiencing fact. Another analogy is, I think I've, I've heard Paul use this metaphor before, or like a water fish appears in the ocean, and it's the water that is the essence of the fish that is trying to remember or realize that it's the ocean. So really, it's, it's just the ocean oceaning about the ocean. But in this ocean oceaning about the ocean, the appearance of being a fish. And it seems like something that is inherently not the ocean is trying to merge with the ocean, become the ocean, remember the ocean. But in truth, we are drowning in ourselves, <laughs> regardless of what's being believed. We are, we are this alive field of aliveness, this, this space of radiant being that's aware of the body, that's aware of thought, that's aware of these textures of experience. It's not that we are the body trying to merge with the space. We're the space believing that we're the body, an appearance within. And so it's, it's backwards. And so as long as this endeavor of remembering the truth of what you are is pursued as the water fish or as the body or as a someone, it will seem to go on forever, frustratingly, because we're expecting the body to wake up or the mind to wake up or we're expecting something to happen to the fish when really it's the water that the fish is made out of. It's the aliveness through and as the body that is yearning for this remembering. It is the aliveness itself that is paradoxically coming home to itself. And there's freedom in that too, in, in noticing it's just, it's just a matter of misperception. We haven't fallen from heaven, been cast out of the kingdom of God and need to do all these things to be granted re-entry. If it feels that way, that means we're identifying with the body. We're identifying with the shape of the fish, completely overlooking the fact that what the fish is made out of, what the body is, what's allowing that the animating presence of every appearance 
in this field of experiencing. That's what's primary. That's what enables knowing to, to happen. It's not the body that's focused on thought or participating in a podcast recording or having a chat with a friend or drinking iced tea, speaking into a microphone. That's not possible because what we're calling a body is, I could say secondary or is dependent on what I am as this to even appear to be experienceable at all, there needs to be this ground of knowing. And so you can take steps back towards the essence of attention, the primary quality of experiencing, to find experiencing, where you can lean in and recognize through the vivid, vibrant, buzzing texture of this, there is only this. There is only experiencing. Yeah, Nick is just the texture of experience. Nick is not an experiencer. Nick is an experience. So here's another metaphor. You are not a flame seeking the fire. You are the fire seeking the fire. You are the fire seeking itself. Which, as you said about the sky, is a paradox. You are the fire experiencing flames. But all of those flames are undivided. Every flame is of one nature. The fire. The fire is the space of radiant being. Seemingly becoming always becoming in this perpetual state of becoming but never deviating from itself every flame is equally hot with radiance you are not a part of reality because you are not apart from reality you are not a part of the whole seeking the whole you are the whole experiencing parts all of which are made of the whole. So again, it doesn't matter. Not really, not ultimately. It doesn't matter what you experience. What matters is the nature of what you experience. I'm tempted to use words like essence and substance. What matters is the essence of what you seek, of, of what you experience. The substance of what you experience. All that matters is you are what you are. You're experiencing your unbounded potential. There's nothing to seek but yourself. In the acquisition, you're whole. But in the longing, you are whole. You are equally whole. What a revelation to find that right at the heart of your longing is fulfillment. <laughs>